Hello, I'm Scott Sosh. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast where we, we with no Evan again. Oh man. See, you, he did it when it was just Evan and I. Well, take that See? personally. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna discuss some of the uh, big topics in sports. Forbes magazine says now. Every team is worth at least a billion dollars in uh, three of the four major food groups, in the NFL, in the uh, Major League Baseball, and in the NBA. Yes. You're not surprised that hockey might have a few teams that are not worth a billion. Yeah. Simply based on the media deal in the United States, which could change, by the way. I would predict that the next media deal, they're going to get very close. Every team will be very close to a billion dollars based on the numbers in the new deal. But... Though I, w- I went right away to Major League Baseball. I went right to the bottom, and there they were, the Miami Marlins. Yeah. Average attendance, seven, um, <laughs> w- w- worth $1 billion. Derek Jeter, number two. Um, yeah, I mean, once the Marlins hit a billion, it's no surprise that everybody else is there. You, you just wonder again what is driving the valuations and of course, that's the media deals. And with the scalability of digital, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how high these go and what the, the trickle-down effect is in terms of how many people can afford to buy them. Does the NFL need to change the rule because there aren't enough billionaires like David Tepper willing to pay for the Panthers? So uh, ramifications, but Barb, we're there. Uh, three of the four majors, every single team. It's two things, right? And, I mean, the certainly the media rights is, is one piece, and the scarcity value of them is also yeah. a, a massive one, right? There, there's not – occasionally these leagues expand, but for the most part, you know, we're stuck at a finite number of these things. Yeah, I, I still wonder whether we're going to get to a point when, when the tire kickers, if something – let's say what most people would consider a less-than-ideal franchise comes up for sale. Do we get folks jumping at it? at this time now that the valuations are so high or do they say you know maybe i don't need to be in so badly i'm going to wait for a better situation and if it doesn't happen for me it doesn't happen well we recently i mean the the nfl is a behemoth as a league in this world as well but you know the panthers were up for sale a year and a half ago or so and and there were a number of, of multiple different sets of of pretty you know deep pocketed bidders who were interested in that sale and, and the Panthers are probably a, a middle to bottom Ooh. middle franchise in the but NFL. It's the, but it's the NFL. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes that's sense the big deal, but it's the NFL. And you and I, I think, agree that Roger Goodell's eyeing the $25 billion is not that far-fetched, so sure. valuations will continue to rise. Yeah, just to make it clear for, for readers, in, in Forbes magazine's 50 most valuable franchises, 26 of them are NFL teams. Uh, seven of them are Major League Baseball teams, nine of them are NBA teams, and eight of them are soccer teams. Uh, the NBA has made a, an, an amazing, we talk about it a lot on the show, it's made an amazing jump here. In 2012, the most valuable NBA NBA team was 35th on the list internationally. Now it's the Knicks and they're fifth on well, the list. Well, laugh at Jimmy Dolan if you must, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, but let me take it on a lower level and just a recent story about Tencent, about how they are getting into with the NBA 2K and their doing the streaming of the eSports, and more importantly, they also stream some of the live NBA games. When is this going to expand uh, to uh, the NFL? 
or in terms of the esports, and also you mean like Madden? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, but yeah, no, I get that. But I mean, it, <laughs> are they? You know, are you going to see yes. more like yes. Tencent you, stream live? Remember NFL when games? you saw the NFL skins in Fortnite? Yeah. Yes. And amazingly, that was a case of the NFL needing Fortnite more than Fortnite needing the NFL. So, yes, they are looking for opportunities to broaden the fan base to the tykes who hang out on the video game platforms, <laughs> who are looking at their phones all day, who are looking at the iPads all day, who have never, ever, ever had cable. Yeah, they're, they're, they're looking in that direction. To be clear, I don't think much of any of these NBA teams' value is driven by the fact that they have esports no. franchises. No. But I, it, it, I do also think that you know at some point in the near future, we may see an esports team, maybe not on the top 50 list, but you know there are esports teams out there that are, that are trying to raise money at valuations higher than some NHL teams, right? So, so we are already at the point where esports, the, the big franchises – are are in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, so you know we'll see them start to creep up. Are we excited for well. the Fortnite World Cup? Yes, I was, and and my son was excited for it. Believe it or not, was or is it's, 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 it hasn't happened. It, well, no, he's excited for it because he's been practicing. You taking him? No, I'm not going to take him. Why not? No, because that you're requires cheap. me getting. You're cheap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Lazy and cheap, and it requires me getting off the couch. Well, so well, there you like, go. He's excited about it. Okay. You know, it's it's something. But I will say this about Fortnite, and he said this too. And now keep in mind my son is fourteen years old. He's saying that uh, some of the uh, luster of Fortnite is starting to Yeah, my rain. son said yesterday, he said, I'm not playing so much Fortnite anymore. I'm playing Roblox and some other stuff. Yeah, that's what my son played. Okay. Roblox. Uh, my goodness. Anyway. It's always the uh, always the concern for, for people who are investing within games in esports is that, you know, you can hit a, a stretch where a game is super popular and then, you know, Flash forward three months and no one's playing it again, and 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 a lot of your investment has been for naught. One other quick question, actually, on the on the valuations, the the the, the most valuable team in the world, the Dallas Cowboys, five billion dollars. They have the third largest NFC title drought in in football. The the Knicks are the most valuable NBA team, four billion dollars. They've no, been we know one winning. Of the winning worst. doesn't matter. We know that. <laughs> winning doesn't. Matter. Not only does winning not matter, I'm wondering if for a lot of these teams, if, if franchise valuation was essentially baked into the cake two decades ago, right? Like these were teams that were successful at one point in, in the nineties and grew exponentially at that time. Yeah. But you got to You also have to and give now some it credit seems though. Impossible for, for them to not stay up here. Yeah. But you got to give credit to folks like Jerry Jones. You can't just say, well, it's a byproduct of him being in Texas and he owns an NFL team and he gets all that shared money because the difference maker for the Dallas Cowboys is actually the local revenue. Sure. And Jerry almost went and he bankrupt buying that team. And he fought the NFL. He sued the NFL. And Jerry, more than anybody else, keeps a bucket of the sweets and the local revenue. He doesn't have to share that with the others. So kudos to Jerry for actually building the better mousetrap and being able to capitalize on what he saw was sort of this, this feverish passion for football in his area. Would you say the same of Jim Dolan? I would say Jim is lucky in a sense that he's in a market where there's so much corp wealthy corporate support that I I don't believe his his sales team has to work all that hard to renew the suites mm -hmm. and the front row seats. And Madison Madison Square Garden for better or worse in terms of Nick performance is still a place to be seen on even a Tuesday night against pick a team because 
the NBA being that star-driven league, you always want to be there when Kobe came to town. You want to be there when Durant, Westbrook, Harden, on and on and on. You want to see them. The New Jersey Nets, and I'm saying New Jersey because I don't mean <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets. When they were in New Jersey, the billboards along the turnpike used to market the visiting teams. They used to give away jerseys to the visiting team. It was like, come see Shaq and the Orlando Magic because they knew yeah. they were so bad. At Madison Square Garden, that's still the only opportunity. But now, I mean, now I know Brooklyn is a possibility as well, but there is such big corporate support for that arena that is still the place to be seen when James Harden comes in and maybe drops 50. And I, I assume you'd say the same thing about the Lakers, another team that is tremendously valuable and has been bad competitively yeah, at but least not recently this season coming up yeah, yeah well this is the thing again and I, I don't mind talking about this even longer than we intended it's pat it's not a, it's not a surprise that pat riley of course came up with the lakers and then went to the miami heat it's, it's similar in that to draw in those two locales you have got to be an attraction there's so much to do in south beach and in miami that you are competing against so many things why do you think it wasn't just to win? It wasn't enough for the Miami Heat to win. He had to go get Shaquille O'Neal. He had to go get LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh because it needs to be the sizzle. That's what people want. It's the event to go be there. They figure like you're missing out if you're not there. It's the place to be. It's the same in L.A. There was showtime, and I say it all the time. There's showtime, and then they went through slow time. And that place was not full. And it is not immune to a downturn simply because it's the L.A. Lakers. They better put a product on the floor. Not only that, but they better put some star power in it. And what do you got now? Slow time was a little ephemeral thing there. Now you've got LeBron and A.D. Yeah, darn right people want to go and be seen there. So it's not just a matter of rolling the ball out in some of these places. You've got to give people a reason to come. Let's talk about uh, shifting gears, uh, Zion Williamson, and probably one of the best things that ever happened to this young man was when he blew out a sneaker during the Duke game and uh, University of North Carolina, I believe. And uh, now he has signed a deal with Nike because he had a lot of leverage involved, $75 million in a sneaker deal. Now, Eben, this is your, your thing, but let me jump in here. That's the popular narrative. But if it's true that the Chinese sneaker makers were offering more money, then did it matter that he stepped out of his shoe in a nationally televised game against North Carolina? They need, they wanted him. They needed him. The money was going to be there. And clearly Nike didn't blow him out of the water, didn't say we, we have to top all offers to get him. So is the popular narrative accurate? Well, those both can be accurate. I mean, Nike could have increased what it was willing to offer him and still not have been this seems the, like the if you bitter. if you look at their lineage of deals this is sub lebron i mean if you're looking at their lineage of deals this seems to fall within the range you would have expected yeah it, i think roughly 10 million dollars a year was, yeah. was kind of what people were expecting i mean i i think it is clear that nike bent over backwards for him after his shoe exploded, right? They sent a team to Durham. They sent that same team to China. Mm -hmm. You know, they built a shoe that they thought was, you know, bulletproof and could not explode no matter who was wearing but it. But am I to believe the He's narrative that he them. just wanted to, he loved Michael Jordan so much that he wanted to wear the Jumpman? Nike has that power over over some right. players, right? Like, they, they are still the dominant brand in this world. I mean, he grew up loving 
Michael Jordan. I'm sure he grew up wearing the Jordan next, brand. The next Zion, I don't think, is going to care about Michael Jordan. It's true. And that's why LeBron James is you so better valuable. Have LeBron, and, yeah, you better why, have LeBron and Zion. And right? why Zion is potentially right. so lineage. valuable, right? Yeah. And, and the, the, Nike has a lot more competition in basketball than they had probably four five years ago or even back in 2003 when they were trying to sign LeBron, right? It's not just Under Armour with Steph Curry. It's not just Adidas and James Harden. It's New Balance now, right, which, which signed Darius Baisley and Kawhi Leonard, right, last year. And New Balance has had a very good basketball year. Fila is back with, with Grant Hill, believe it or not. Puma signed a number of, of, of brands, and they just launched their new basketball shoe last year and won the, the 90s street Skip brand is is back in, in the basketball game. There's a lot of companies, and, and, and it's because over the past decade, and maybe less so right now, but over the past decade, basketball shoes have been such a big business that a lot of brands have thought, you know what, we need to get back into this. Uh, so there's more competition for Nike, and if Zion ends up being the next LeBron James – I mean, this is a this is a massive. Coup now give for me them. give me your retail knowledge. How are basketball shoes selling? Yeah, it's been a bad it's been a bad eighteen months right now for basketball shoes, right? So so you can argue that you know Puma and New Balance and and N one kind of came back in maybe at the at the wrong time. Um, kind of this this push into, you know, the casual sneaker. The popularity of that has pushed basketball shoes, which used to be the casual sneaker, kind of a, a, out of the way a little bit. I see Bar hanging in Puma Clyde's. There you go. I, I see, see that. I see you. Yeah. You know, like the Ooh, off red yeah. Puma Clyde. I see. I see you rocking that. Now, see. Now, I got to go back to something that you were saying. I mean, granted, when when we started it earlier, yes, when he blew the shoe out, that's the popular narrative, and I believe it's popular because simply the last thing you want when you're trying to sell a product is for the thing to go haywire, which is what it did. You don't want to be here. I go. I'm going to bring in racing. You don't want to be on a racetrack. And you're you're promoting, uh, let's say Ford, and all of a sudden your engine blows apart, and you're trying to sell well, the of Ford course, engine. But, but the narrative at that back then was now Nike is going to have to overpay. They have to have them. They're going to have to pay more than they would have to get Zion, and it doesn't seem like it played out that way. I mean, but they, again, they could have. Maybe Nike, with with no shoe exploding, was only going to offer him seven years. Sure, we won't know. Right? Per, yeah. Perhaps the number is inflated because yeah. of perhaps. It just seems that it fell in a range to be expected. It, it there's no outlier here with the number. Totally. No, I think that's fair. No, yeah, it's and, a fair and, thing. It, and if if this again, Nike was always the favorite to sign him. If if this had been a deal with Puma or with New Balance, I think a lot of the conversation would have been, "Wow, I wonder if Nike right. screwed themselves out of this deal." Because they had a shoe explode yeah. on national television. And we noticed, remember, in the digital billboards they used around the country to announce this, including one at Madison Square Garden, it has the Jumpman logo, yes, but nowhere do you see Pelicans. Exactly. It, yeah, it's it's Zion. Zion. On Zion. Yeah. So exactly. if, you ever, if you ever wondered what the brand was that yeah. mattered here, it ain't Pelicans. Yeah, imagine, what, the, what do you think the New Orleans front office felt when they saw, when they saw all those billboards? Uh, let's move I on. I still think they're happy. Oh, they're, they're, oh, they're, they're, they're good with it. Yeah. You know. Let's move on to volleyball. Uh, volleyball media venture and Scott, this is your story. The richest female venture capitalist is backing the uh, volleyball media venture. Yeah, I mean, I think in the world of volleyball, most people would know the name Kerry Walsh Jennings, uh, a five-time Olympian, three-time gold medalist. Uh, I covered her in Beijing and have done some other things around volleyball. She has a media platform, like many you seemingly athletes do these days. I had not known about P1440. And by the way, Barr, if interested in this, the P1440, what it stands for? What is it? it? The 1440 stands for the number of minutes in a day. 
and how she wants you to live those minutes. So, really? Yeah, Carrie's all about live it to the fullest. That's a great trivia question. Okay, well, uh, well there you go. It, yeah, but Teresa Gao, she's co-founder at Aspect Ventures. Uh, she is the first outside investor in P1440. So if she's to be believed and if Carrie Walsh Jennings' vision uh, comes to fruition, this will be the global go-to spot. And it's an app and it's a, and it's a, a website, of course. An app will be most important. This will be the go-to spot for what Teresa said with 900 million volleyball fans around the world. So, you know, I always talk about scale here. This is what the app is going to allow Carrie to do. Get that message. It's not just about, by the way, volleyball playing. And it is a, it's about beach volleyball. It's about culture. It's about health and wellness. It's about, they will have live rights. They will be paying for live rights to events. They already do. It's about coaching. So it sort of embodies everything in the lifestyle of beach volleyball. So is this like an Ironman for, for, for volleyball in that sure. it's a lifestyle brand? It's a lifestyle brand. Yes. That events. is what they're Are hoping. They put on events? Yes. Uh, yes. That, part of the money being used here, and we don't know how much Teresa put in, but she has a net worth of five $600 million, so can rub a few nickels together. <laughs> uh, but let's oh, not my. discount also. One of the things that attracted Teresa to this, yes, it was Carrie in that she's a powerhouse to face the volleyball think she really has the right idea here and the passion for it. But it was the fact that the company was founded by a woman. Aspect, and I didn't know this, 40% of the companies in the Aspect Ventures portfolio, 40% founded by women. Hmm. Teresa is pushing this. She And one of her investors, by the way, one of the people who put some money in one of Aspect's funds, can, can we guess who, uh, who, who might be? Melinda, Melinda Gates. Gates. <laughs> wow. Oh my. Yeah. So, and yeah. but she has been very vocal in 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 sort of the the gap in venture capital, the gender gap in venture capital. So this is a recurring narrative, and uh, Carrie told me that she also wants to invite other athletes. So let let's get um, let's say Alex Morgan, who, by the way, told Eben last week that she is starting a female focused mm -hmm. media platform. Also wants to rope in Paul Rabel who she has met a number of times, who has clearly shown a proficiency for developing a brand and using digital and social to promote that brand of the Premier Lacrosse. I would yeah. like to see, and, I, and, and because I'm a Johnny-come-lately as usual, that you know volleyball, to me, didn't come on my radar until I saw Carrie and uh, Misty May Trainer, her, her teammate, when they were playing in the Olympics. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is exciting. I, you know what column I wrote? I wrote... And I mean, God, we're going back to the Beijing Olympics, but one of the columns I wrote, I think I was writing two a day, so then on lack of sleep too, was something about how they were almost like a marriage. Yeah. That the partners yeah. were like a marriage. And yeah, that, that was some team. But my first volleyball name that sticks in my head is Karch Kurai. That's, uh, I, I mean, that's, that's the one that sticks in my head. That's an Olympian as well? Yeah, he was an Olympian as well, beach volleyball player, yeah. So this is the problem that, this is the issue that she's going to have to overcome, right? Is the fact that volleyball captures the attention for for two weeks every every something four years. You, yeah. Boom! You hit it right on the head, and something she addressed. She said, "What we need to do is be top of mind and in the consciousness for more than just the quadrennial Olympic cycle." She's mm -hmm. like, "We go dark every three point eight years." Yeah, which yeah. is true of ninety percent. A of lot the of Olympic, Olympic sports, sports yeah, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
You're and, right. And is she? Do you, do you get the sense that this is a? I mean, this is a competitor essentially to Flow Sports, right? Which is yep. kind Track of the dominant, field. yeah, streamer in a lot of the different Olympic sports. Yep. Um, is there an exit strategy here? Or is she? Does she want to sell this thing at some point? Didn't say, but just the tone of the conversation that I got from Carrie and her passion play is that this strikes me as a build. Mm. What happens at some point? I mean, if it is successful, the money will be there as investment. Whether she sells, who knows? But it strikes me as she has a builder's mentality. You have been listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. We're here for you every Monday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, bringing you some of the biggest news stories in sports. Guess what? You can catch me on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. You can follow me at Novi underscore Williams. And you can follow me at Soshnik. You know what? I, I know we got to wrap this up. I didn't realize this. Carrie Walsh Jennings is six feet three inches tall. Yeah, I've I've been around her in different events. Yes, I did. I did not know that. I mean, because I've never seen her in person, so I would see her on TV. But I didn't know that uh, she was six three. Okay. No, just just bring it. And around. you are not. Yeah, I'm only six <laughs> one. That's it. I I think that's an I think that's an NBA exaggeration. Right oh there. man, here we go. Evan, anyway. no, we, well, we got to go down six. Evan once bet me how much he weighed, and he was so far off. Yeah, I won I that one. You're on telling one. me you're six foot one. I'm six one. We're going down to the office, the nurse's office downstairs, and put you on that machine. You are not six one. Uh, what do you think I am? Maybe six feet. Can we get a wa- can we get a wager here? Can we get Maybe a wager here? You, you want you want to put some coin on this? Let's put some coin on it. Well, what, what are we lunch. putting on it? Lunch. lunch? All yeah. right, you got it. And uh, we don't want the Seinfeld problem. Soup and a sandwich is lunch. (laughs) Lunch at Philippe. Uh, (laughs) Noodles. (laughs) This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports. And we're here for you. Uh, We did this uh, already. Yeah, we No, no, no. Why don't you tell anybody who's coming up later in the week? Oh, well, then, well, you tell me who's going to be later. We have the CEO of Liverpool. Peter Moore, uh, former high-ranking executive at EA Sports as well. Going to talk some soccer. Going to talk some FIFA. It'll be a good conversation. Catch our podcast where available.